Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. One of the uh, eternal debates that I've seen carried out is in the Laravel world is whether or not to use the, or whether to use the fillable property on our models or to use the guarded property on our models. And, and there are two different approaches and there's some strong opinions on both sides. So those that um, prefer being explicit in adding everything to fillable, uh, you know, tend to maybe be a little bit more on the, the cautious side and the explicit side and are, are okay with a, a little extra work every time you want to expand that list. Those that are that use the guarded property might just say, you know what, there's certain things I don't want to be filled, but everything else can kind of default to uh, being filled. And I'm okay with that little bit of risk because it gives me um, the flexibility to, to move faster. And we have other processes in place to kind of catch the things that we wouldn't expect. So that's, that's how I summarize it. There's a lot more nuance to it than that, but mm -hmm. Aaron, um, where do you fall on that spectrum? Well, I think uh, kind of like you said, there there may be uh, reasons people choose both sides of that debate, you know, guarded versus fillable. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's a difference of being explicit because both require you to define columns. So they're both explicit in their own way. One is Unless... defining well, one's defining things that you wouldn't want, right. and one is defining things that you would want. So it is kind of a way of being explicit, yeah. just what direction are you coming from? What about the um, star? What if you throw the oh. star in there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, unless it's a star, which is just everything okay. just goes haywire then. Okay. Um, no, uh, so you asked me where I am on that. I would say I'm a fillable type of person. And mm. the reason is, is because I happen to hang out in the security minded area. And so it's an idea of uh, uh, whitelist versus blacklist or allow versus deny, things like sure. that. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you've seen enough of these things over the years, you've seen that this uh, deny list is always the source of places uh, where people uh, run into failure. So your deny list is only as strong as the things you can think of to deny. <laughs> Whereas your allow list is strong because it's only the things you know that you'll want and that is it. Everything else is, is you know, not available to you. Um, and, and so that's kind of why I tend to, to aim on the fillable side is I want to say that these are things that I am willing to allow in a sort of mass assignment coming from anywhere um, uh, into my model because I want to define the things that I know are going to be in there. Um, it, for me, it's the kind of the same reason too is, um, are you a select star from table person or do you select specific columns that you want? Uh, if you look at the underlying you know, queries uh, from a lot of these ORMs, they're still getting all of the table columns and selecting those too. Mm -hmm. you know, they're not just saying select star. So I, I think um, there's a lot of we'll call it your term, explicit things going on um, where things are named. They're maybe just automated, but they are named uh, because of these, you know, both security and performance considerations. Okay. I, I sort of knew this was your opinion before <laughs> I asked the question, but I, I like to hear you explain it. And I'll be honest that um, before you and I worked together, I, I probably 
leaned the other direction and you, you've been slowly winning me over. Um, <laughs> but having this mindset will kind of help me to, uh, to, to challenge you a little bit and question yeah. some of the things I hear people say, and, and maybe even things I've, I've said myself in the past about why, why that might not be the way we want to do it in our team. So, so with fillable, one common complaint I hear is that, well, in any time I want to add a property, I now have to do it in like multiple places, right? It's not, I, I have to remember to add it to the model. I have to, I'm probably adding it to a form request. Um, any, any thoughts on that? I mean, again, I kind of know what you're going to say, but I'd, I'd like to hear it from your eloquent mouth. Uh, tough cookies, buddy. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> um, I, 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 I kind of recoil when I hear, well, that's more work mm-hmm. um, because it's not, uh, more there's a difference between work and busy work yeah. and i think people sometimes will assume that this is busy work when really it's work to do a specific thing that is part of your process for security and for accuracy and things like that so it'd be like saying um uh i added another lock to my door oh it's more work to lock that lock too uh, n- not really it's the thing you have to do to get use out of that feature, you have to you have to twist that knob now to lock that door. So I, I consider you know this more work sort of thing is yeah it is one extra step, but it's the step that you do that you have to do in order to get the things that you've made an agreement to get, which is the um, security and accuracy of your requests. Yeah, that, that's a fair way of looking at it. And, and I think even people that would make this argument, they admit it's not really that much work. It, it's more of an annoyance than like, oh, this is going to take me hours. No, it's like you're adding one line to an array. Generally, what I experienced sometimes is uh, I'd write a test and my test would fail. And then I'd be like, oh, I forgot to add it to fill mm-hmm. it. Right. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, you bump into that. It's a little annoying in the moment, but it's it's not that big of a deal. Well, actually, at the time, I, I've ran into that too and been a little irritated. Mm-hmm. But on reflection, it tells me my tests are working. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, if I if I don't add that and my test fails, that's a, one more reason I can sleep at night knowing that when I deploy my stuff, all my tests pass because they are that stringent. Yeah, that's that's a, that's another side benefit. So here, here's a, another argument that I, I've heard brought up is, uh, well, our team already has standardized we only fetch validated data from the request so we we never do request input you know some field name we always do request validated some field name and the reason that's kind of a counter argument is that well we've already explicitly had to validate that field so therefore why wouldn't we want to pass it into a mass assignment on a model what are what are your thoughts on that yeah I understand that. And that's a great thing. I'm glad to hear that teams are using the validated method off of requests. That's mm-hmm. what you should do. Yep. Um, but I, I will also say, um, show me a project that does everything the same hundred percent of the time. And I'm just going to quit programming. It's just, it's just <laughs> not, you know, as much as we yeah. say, we do these things, we're all, you know, human programmers doing things and uh, you just, you won't always do it right the same way. And so, um, and, and it might, might be a mistake. It might be a choice. It might be, a, you know, it slipped through that review process. Um, if, if you look at, uh, a lot of the like SQL injection type hacks and stuff like that, where people get their, their libraries broken into or hacked or cross site 
request forager, all these different things, right? It's because that project had a great plan to mitigate these risks, but they missed it in one spot. And yeah. they're like, you know, it's like, we always prepare our statements for MySQL, except for this one place where we didn't. And then <laughs> right. someone was able to find that. And that's how they hacked this, this website. Yeah. So it's the same thing is, first of all, I don't buy that we always do um, thing because you don't. Even if you have tools that help you, those tools can be mistaken or there, there's so many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the second that kind of goes hand in hand with that is great. I'm glad you're doing that that very awesome, very calculated, secure and accurate thing. Here's another thing to do. So security in depth, steps upon steps. Yeah. I like to tell people again, it's like my house is I lock my doors, but I also have private who is information on my domains. Mm. I don't like to tell everyone where I live, <laughs> but I also lock my door so they can't get in. Yeah. Okay. So that, you know, to me, that's like saying like, I do one of these things. That's great. And you absolutely should. Why don't you do both? Yeah. I know when I've, I've uh, challenged you on this in the past too. another, another reason you gave me that helped me understand this too, is while maybe most of our uses of mass assignment come from a form request in a controller, not all of them do, right? So there's mm-hmm. maybe there's places in the code like we're writing a command or, or something that isn't in that same controller action that can rely upon a validated payload from a form request. So that that would be another reason. You know, you don't have to think of that if you have that extra check in place on the model. It'll you'll bump into it if you didn't explicitly already decide in advance this property should be fillable. Yeah, we've we've preached before uh, about uh, validating incoming data from third parties, yeah. but that's not always in place. And so you might be doing API requests somewhere too, getting data and then applying it to your model. And what if that that uh, person decided, hey, why don't I send along I don't know the the role uh, field and see if they block that and I can make everyone admins. <laughs> well, this was this was helpful. Even even for somebody maybe listening to this that doesn't agree completely, hopefully it's food for thought. I know myself, I, I, I like the idea of sort of challenging my own opinions in programming, because mm-hmm. even if I don't change my opinion, maybe it's even strengthened my opinion because I understand even more why I, I like a certain thing I do. And of course, you always have to work within the constraints of your team. If somebody else on the team has made this decision for you that you use guarded, then well, Maybe you can share this podcast episode with them. <laughs> Recently, I was cleaning out my garage and I'm, I'm a little ashamed to admit there was a lot of junk that I have held on to far longer than I should have, but <laughs> we were, we were preparing for a construction project. And so I had a dumpster in the driveway. You know what? Now is the time to to go through some of this. So just some examples of things that I really didn't need to keep. Credit card statements from 25 years ago. Probably not. You know, the account's closed. (laughs) There's no reason to have it. And now it's annoying because that I actually don't throw in the dumpster. I have to shred that because some of it does have personal information on it. So I had a few boxes of that. Um, Old books, things like that. I had a Windows 95 install disks. Okay. Ooh. So that, <laughs> you know, a little trip down memory lane as I'm going through some of these things. Um, and that was a CD-ROM, right? Yes, it was a CD-ROM. All right. And, and actually. With, with a big w- book in it to make the box heavier. 
Uh, no, this one actually said uh, Chicago on it, which was the code name for Windows Ooh. 95 because it was a pre-release version. I don't even remember where I got it, but I was pretty excited about it at the time. <laughs> it has been thrown away. Something else I used to be really, I used to really enjoy my Palm Pilot. Remember those Palm Pilots? And I had, uh, I, I bought a color one. Okay. I, I bought this thing that you could clip to a notepad and write with a pen and it would like transcribe it to your Palm Pilot. It Whoa. was still in the box. I had never opened it and I threw it away. <laughs> Have you heard of this place called eBay? eBay. Some of these things I did look up. And a few things I did keep, but a lot of it, I'm like, you know what? I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna sell this. I had some old computers, which we actually just got scrap metal cost for, <laughs> and like old machines we deracked from a data center. So I know you've moved recently, but have you come across anything like this in your life? Things that you held on to way past uh, their useful life? Well, actually, that's funny you brought that up, and it sounds like we planned this, but we didn't. Um, today I was actually getting rid of something I've held on for way too long. Okay. Uh, so, uh, first of all, um, I pay for movers to move because I'm either too old or too fat to do it myself. Um, and, uh, so that means that everything you move, you have to actually, you end up paying to move it from place to place okay. in, in, in time, right. You know, or yeah. whatever they charge per hour. And a, a couple of years ago, I had, um, went to an Asian grocery store and got um, seaweed that mm -hmm. is like uh, little pieces in little boxes that, you know, you eat as a snack. Um, and it's like, you know, like 10 or 12 pieces or something. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. I don't like a lot of that type of thing, but I like those. And so I, I'm a little weird. Whereas when I like a thing, I then buy all of it. Okay. Um, so I decided that I am now, the seaweed eating guy. I decided this a couple of years ago, actually a couple places ago. Mm. Um, and so I went on Amazon and I found a great place. It was extra virgin olive oil, seaweed, you know, all this kind of stuff, nothing bad in it. And I, I subscribed and saved, you know, so I'd get a case of it every, every month. Well, it turns out after the first week, I um, just wasn't the seaweed guy anymore. It's like, this right. is just too much, just too much seaweed snack. Um, and, you know, I was like, well, I'll, I'll take this up again, take it up. Like it's a, some sort of thing I need to achieve. So uh, I let the subscribe and save go on for like four or five months. I ended up having like five cases of this stuff now um, in my, my pantry. And it was on top of my cupboards and stuff. And people would come over and be like, you really like seaweed? Shut up. Um, and, and so then, and I cannot explain how this happened. I forgot about this whole entire thing and came across avocado oil seaweed. And I was like, this is awesome. I ate some of it and the same pattern happened. Mind you, I have these seaweed boxes on top of my, my cupboard and I, I just don't see them anymore. Right. Okay. And so I subscribed and saved this new thing. And so now suffice to say right before I ended up moving, I was like, wow, I'm not eating these avocado oil things. So I stopped that subscription. And so I ended up packing up two moving boxes worth of, of cases seaweed. of seaweed. And so they take up tons of room, but they're super light. So yeah. the guys are like, what? And they pick up these boxes. I'm like, oh, don't, don't, that's just, it's like, it's like blankets or something. All right. I said <laughs> that it was like pillows. Um, and so then I moved to my next place, which I was there for two and a half or three years. And um, I brought out a case of them and put them up uh, in my, my um, balcony or in my cupboard. And then I moved to my new place now. And that was about eight months ago. 
10 months ago and I ran out of space in my pantry. So they were in my spare bedroom closet, at least this eight cases of seaweed. Oh and uh, just today I decided I'm going to throw these out. Well, so, what's the um, shelf life on seaweed? I don't know, man. <laughs> like, was it even still edible? <laughs> you got, I mean, maybe that's not the point. I know. I, I did. I did. I'm taking it out of the cases to throw it away. Um, and I noticed that all the cases have like, like oil at the bottom, not like liquid oil, but like oil splotches. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, it you know, they're probably <sighs> done being whatever they are, but who knows? It's seaweed, man. You'll make a raccoon pretty happy in the dumpster today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, um, so far now it's two big black garbage bags full. Oh, uh, wow. I still have some more. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I do know about your uh, scenario with keeping things maybe t- too long. Thank but you. Also, for something sharing. I might I might also have other problems in my life too. <laughs> oh boy! So you might have noticed I kind of snuck in something inside the podcast today about uh, how we recommend a certain form of validation, validating third party. Well, we wrote a lot about that actually. If that sounds interesting to you. You can check it out in our ebook and accompanying exercises at our website, nocompromises.io/slash book.